Good morning. It is Monday, June 14th, 2021, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Since we last checked in, Cubs went on a West Coast road trip, Jim. That didn't go terrible. It wasn't as good as it could have been. But then we got home to sweep the Cardinals, your old team, dude. Yeah, I think the Cubs have a better team than the Cardinals. Uh, It's called pitching. Yeah, that bullpen for the Cubs right now is just outstanding. I hope I didn't just jinx it. And as you can see, here in the middle of the country, we had lots of sun over the weekend, Jim. Uh, Yes. And several days of 90-degree temperatures. There's more on the way. Temps are going to be cooling down a bit. Humidity is going to be coming down. Rain chances are still scattered. Does not look like there's an organized front out there, but the grain market's traded overnight. Like acres and yields are moving higher, Jim. Yeah, it's odd because you're going to break more than a few records this week on on temperatures. uh, Right. Uh, That's what the NWS said. And boy, when you look at California, I wrote about that this morning. I know it's nothing new, but boy, they're going through really, you talk about hot and dry earlier than they usually get. They're always dry, but this is even earlier than expected. Exactly. Exactly. I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory. Glad that you could be with us this morning. And that is Pro Farmer Policy Analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Jim, we've we've both lived through periods of volatility in the markets, but put your marketer hat on here for a little bit because this is something like I've never seen. And if I've never seen it, either of you. No, it's called the the number of players now and the Mm -hmm. number of news outlets, all that. That's, uh, you know, adding to it. Now, as well as I do, Chip, we like volatility that as long as they go up, just down volatility, it gives producers a chance to hedge. So I I can live with volatility, but with the geopolitical concerns uh, still on the surface and uh, this this climate change, wherever it goes, and we have some bad players in the world right now, let alone our own country fighting against each other. Yeah. So that's the definition of volatility. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about uh, some of that coming up here in just a little bit. But before we look ahead to some of those issues, let's go ahead and take a look back at some of the happenings. Make sure that we understand the signals that were sent. One of the clearest signals that I saw from last week is that the WIP Plus and the QLA payments are on their way, Jim. We finally got it. Now, there's nothing like an upcoming appearance by the USDA secretary, in this case, Vilsack, to get some releases out of USDA, and that's exactly what happened. He will appear before the Senate Ag Appropriations Subcommittee Tuesday. Lo and behold, we got the news Friday morning, I did my sources, and they came out with it. Now, a little digest of this, Chip. They're paying 100% of the Quality Loss Adjustment Program, QLA, and they're paying 40% of the remaining 50% of 2019 crop whip plus. Now that means 90%, I would take that. However, it seems to me odd to pay the full amount on a quality type program as opposed to a disaster program. I guess it's just the money, but they can always come back and pay that additional 10 percentage point. And I really think they will. And if they don't, Congress will do that chip in an appropriations bill. Okay. All right. Jim, we've been talking about WIP Plus for a year. 
well, yeah, we had 2018. Yeah, we had 2018 and 2019. And of course, we had the call for 2020 with the yeah. derecho. And right. I fully expect Congress to do that along with any, we're already having problems in 2021. So this is basically a disaster program each year that hopefully yeah. supplements, does not really, you know, displace you know, crop insurance. But yeah, I think that you're going to see Vilsack at least question, why did it take so long? And I fully see, it may sound like an oxymoron, Chip, but Congress wants to simplify the WIP Plus program in future legislation. I hope that they do. Okay. All right. Very good. The plate got loaded up with beef item last week, didn't it? There's, start with this one, because I think this one has the potential to have some significant impacts going forward. And there is a renewed push on the Department of Justice to wrap up that investigation into the actions of Packers following the fire in Holcomb, Kansas, following the disruptions that we were experiencing about a year ago. Yes. And you're seeing a concerted push, Chip, on yep. antitrust issues, pricing issues. You're seeing that in livestock pricing. So we have a trend here. Friday, five different basically antitrust bills uh, were introduced in the House, bipartisan. So that tells me this issue has legs on it, Chip. Relative to the meat sector, the, the Biden administration has already signaled that the meat processing industry will be one of their, you know, focal points. And this is also happening, Chip, at the state level. You have the New York Senate last week passed legislation that would make a major change in the definition of market dominance and introduce a 60-day pre-merger notification requirement for many of the deals. And then Ohio, their attorney general had an interesting lawsuit declaring Google a common carrier, public utility, if you will. While these bills face hurdles, there's a growing consensus that something needs to be done, especially in the high-tech area, and we'll have to see in the meat processing area. Staying on meat processing here, NC, okay, one of the issues that when I talk to groups about market transparency in cattle, it, one of the issues that always comes up at the end of the conversation is the loophole in the labeling that allowed a product from a foreign country to come into the U.S., go through minimal processing here in the U.S., maybe a new package, maybe run a knife blade through it once, something like that. And then to be able to label it product of the USA. That has been a big concern. And NCBA, I feel, has changed position on this and is now petitioning to eliminate that product of the USA label. Yeah, I don't know whether it's a change, but you know, you know, change of position or not. Probably so, but I'm not quite sure. But but there's movement in this regard. And the administration, I think, is acknowledging that they're gonna work with the industry. You noted NCBA filed a petition there. The dance that they have to do is to make sure that it doesn't ruffle any WTO guidelines. And I think that they can write it the right way because there there is a loophole there. I, I fully expect it to be repaired, Chip. Just don't know when. Okay. All right. The NCBA has also reacted to the priority list of uh, President Biden's Build Back Better, which, by the way, caught fire over at the G7 meeting, didn't it? Boris uh, Johnson from the UK couldn't say it enough. Yeah. 
<laughs> he has usurped that phrase yeah. because actually it fits the United Kingdom quite well because yeah, they're having to build back from leaving the European you know, Union. So yeah, you had to chuckle and Biden had to like that. But oh. it is a, a phrase to show progress and building your country back. Right. Now, as, as it pertains to agriculture, U.S. farming, Joe, Secretary Biden ended up with $4 billion to implement the Build Back Better plans and to take some of the vulnerabilities out of the supply chain. You know, I made the joke on Friday on the free-for-all, Jim, that there was a time that $4 billion actually was a lot of money. But $4 billion is still a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, and we're a billion here and billion there. Sooner or later, it adds up. But that does give him some discretionary authority, I think, in this yep. area. And Vilsack has shown that he will use it. Now, watch the Senate Ag Committee Chairwoman Debbie Stabenow on this because she has been one of the leaders in this nebulous term. Watch what she says relative to uh, the funding that she wants. And this will be one of the issues that Vilsack is asked about during Tuesday's hearing in the Senate. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, I, I feel like we need to come back and touch this a little bit because USDA over the weekend also said that they are beginning the process of initiating three separate rulemakings to support enforcement of the Packers and Stockyards Act. Yes, and we said on this program and on AgriTalk, we knew that they would go to the Packers and Stockyards Act because that gives them a more solid ground there. There's going to be some changes, Chip. Vilsack will lead the charge on this one. Again, this will be another topic addressed Tuesday, but they're just not going to announce something and not do anything on this. We're going to see changes in the in in the in the meat area. Transparency pricing, et cetera. As the, some in the meat industry note, and I think accurately, you better watch out what you hope for because of un the unintended consequences, because we have pricing agreements throughout the industry that I know are sensitive, but they do put value, higher value contracts to some producers because of uh, tonnage involved, quality involved, et cetera. And I know that's a sensitive issue uh, throughout the industry, but if you start mucking that up, that will have consequences to a number of very efficient producers. Okay. Gary just reminded me by sending a comment in that if you would like to participate in today's podcast, go ahead and, and send your comments. Look at look for the tab over on the right side of your screen. And Gary is referencing, thank you for doing this, Gary. You're referencing uh, the World Economic Forum's Great Reset and says that Build Back Better is the slogan of the Great Reset. Maybe I wonder if that's where Biden got his. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really do. We always steal the best lines, Jeff, I do. Jim, I can't tell you how many times you have stolen my best lines. <laughs> Guys, uh, he will watch my presentation one day, and he's always on in front of me. He'll watch my my presentation one day and then the next day come back and give all the best lines <laughs> that I had the day before. 
It's flattery <laughs> to you. It's flattery. But anyway, yeah. it, it is a descriptive term that explains things. Yeah. So let's hope it's better. To yeah. me, that's the key word. That's the value word. Build okay. back better. Well, what's better to some may not be better to others. So we're going to have to see. I, I do want to say an, another Friday announcement, Chip. They released, the Biden administration released their agenda for the spring regulatory actions. And on profarmer.com, you can link to, to each agency, agriculture, EPA. There's a lot of interesting ones in there, transportation, department, uh, etc. Now, in there, it said USDA is considering putting APHIS in charge of assessing whether biotech animals are susceptible to pests or diseases or have the ability to transmit them. So FSIS is going to conduct a pre-slaughter food safety assessment to ensure that the meat would be safe. All that and more is in that at least tip-off signals, if you will, of where this administration is going on the regulatory front, Chip. I, I think although it isn't vivid reading, it is insightful when you look through those proposals. Okay, very good, very good. Over the weekend, the G7 wrapped up, Jim, and there was a critique of the Chinese and the Russian governments. They said more about China than they did about Russia. But still, there are there's general concern about the bad actors in the global economy. Yeah. You know, most actors, as I thought, most analysts, I should have said, are giving Biden, you know, good G7 reviews. He worked with them. He said America is back at the table, willing to sit down at the table, etc. Now, as far as the overall G7 confab, it ended with, as you said, a renewed focus on China. Now, Biden actually wanted to push back even more forcefully against Beijing and Moscow. They only went so far in their communique. I think that was the timidity on the part of the European Union. But Biden got uh, progress in focusing on China, yeah, but he didn't get the concrete steps to ban you know, Western participation in some areas, but that forced labor in China yeah. and, and other things were noted in there. Here's what I want to point out. If, if Trump was president and if he didn't get everything he wanted relative to China, he wouldn't have signed the communique. Right. There's your difference between right. a Biden and, and Trump in my personal judgment. And many presidents before Trump. Some. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. Some. That's right. That's right. Okay. They vowed to phase out gas and diesel cars. That's not been widely reported. Now, of course, it's murky when. And to shut down coal plants that do not apply emissions capturing technology well, as soon as possible. Now, I think Biden wanted to be stronger on those coal plants, but they were hesitant to go too far on the uh, coal. And of note, they promised to protect 30% of the plant's land and oceans by 2030. We've heard that one before, haven't we? The 30 by 30. 30 by 30, by 30 plant. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. Okay. Let's get to the week ahead. When it, number one thing that I'm, well, there's, I shouldn't say it's the number one thing, but I'm sure focused on Biden, Putin, and the optics and reporting on that confab. Yeah, Biden's been pretty strong in his pre-meeting, I'm not going to call it a summit, his pre-meeting comments by saying he'll let us know what he's going to let Putin know. Many people think that he should get a more aggressive, both in public and private, 
with Putin, who's really testing Biden. I mean, most people see that. But I'll tell you, they're starting to move in the administration finally on working to disrupt the uh, criminal ecosystem that helps, uh, you know, support that booming ransomware industry. He's going to get involved. I think this is the issue number one for him, because this is really gets into national security, the operation of our country in a host of areas, hospitals, our energy system, and now our meat processing system. So yeah, I'm watching that one as, as well, Chip. Okay, very good, very good. U.S. Trade Rep Ty is going to join Biden. That gives me some confidence that number one, trade is gonna be discussed. Number two, it's gonna be a meaty discussion about trade. Yes. And not only she'll meet with the UK trade minister, but also she'll confer with the other EU, you know, trade ministers as well. And anytime you talk, in my judgment, you seek uh, potential compromises and lingering and perhaps new thorny issues. So I think it's a step in the right direction. And it signals now he may be getting closer to go the next step, he being Biden, may be getting closer to go uh, on his next steps relative to trade policy, because that's been on the back burner so far, Chip. That's right. Okay. You already mentioned it. And I want to mention it again, because Secretary Vilsack is going to be with the Senate Ag Appropriations Committee, subcommittee on? Subcommittee. On Tuesday, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Number one, Secretary Vilsack is scheduled to be on AgriTalk with me on Wednesday morning. Very good timing. So then okay. he can comment on what he said with some of our analysis. What do you anticipate? There's a whole area because you'll have a different line of questioning as usual from Democrats and Republicans. I, I think he's going to be asked about the meat industry or should be, Chip, relative yep. to some of the issues we've already talked about. But one we haven't yet, we've talked of course, on the program before, is the line speeds. Because frankly, I've been saying, I think Bill Sack is in a pickle on this one. You can read his body language and hear his pain, really, because he was basically told what to do. It was not his call. So it'll be curious to see if this comes out because it doesn't pass the science test. And I know that frustrates the secretary who doesn't do well on things that he doesn't agree with. Right. So I'm going to watch that line of questioning. Of course, ransomware relative to the JBS will come up. What is his recommendations? What's the impact on the meat industry for the future? Things like that. I noted before that JBS's CEO on Friday got a letter from the House Oversight Committee Chairwoman Maloney from New York that wants to really wants documentations, communications related to that May 30th ransomware attack. So I think he may be asked about that and a whole other issues relative to the transparency in the meat industry. And that's just on livestock, Jeff. There's going to be a host of uh, other things. The uh, WOTUS rule that high anxiety in farm country on that one, because I think it's going to boil down to will EPA Administrator Michael Regan do the farmer-friendly implementation of that remains to be seen on that. We've got that RFS waiver issue for some relative to the thrust by some National Economic Council head, Brian Deese, who wants to do something for the refiners. How ironic for the Biden administration and Representative Cindy Axney over the weekend fired off a letter 
uh, against any such attempt. So that should come up, Chip, as well. All right. Very good. Very good. Wendy, I would like to bring that up for you, but I'm not exactly sure what you are talking about. States having bills to wait three years before butchering beef. I'm not, I I don't know if I'm familiar with that or not. I know, Jim, that there has been some progress made at the state level in in, in the inspection process and even in the funding for some of the smaller processing plants. And there is funding. And this is one of the flexible areas that I think Vilsack will tap into if that's what you know she's talking about there to, to really increase the, num- the potential number of the processing uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, plants and holding areas, et cetera. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what the three-year wait would be about though if you can give us a specific state and bill number we can track it down that way absolutely there you go there you go of course this week jim talks are going to continue on infrastructure reform yes because we had that agreement with 10 bipartisan senators that really gives biden most of what he personally ask for without tax increases, Chip. So that's going to be interesting. The reason it's interesting is the far left Democrats in Biden's party, they don't like any watering down of what they want. I'm not, I can't predict it right now because this shows you what Biden wants. So we're going to see who has control of infrastructure. The far left are, are Biden the compromiser. We're going to see, and I think the clock is ticking. I think you're going to have this done by the end of this week. I, I think you're probably right there. The the I am going to take this away from the infrastructure discussions, Jim, I think. And that is that there is a, a greater willingness for, at least in the Senate, to get the two parties together and have real meaningful discussions about how to compromise. Yes, uh, but even when you get into the House, there there should be a mixture. You're going to lose some of the far-left Democratic votes. That's to be expected in any, quote, normal you know legislation, but it's not normal now. The same thing on the Republican side. The arch-conservatives, well, the easiest way for them is to vote no on anything. But you have to increase that middle ground. And I think this is what the Senate approach is doing. And that's why this is a big test, Chip. If we can't get this bipartisan compromise through at at least one chamber, forget about any bipartisan flavor on other topics. There is agreement on infrastructure, the, the traditional infrastructure, physical infrastructure. Yeah, you can add in a couple of things to get those votes on the Democratic side as long as it's not too much. But watch Mitch McConnell's prognostication when this is uh, finally done to see which way he goes as well. So it's not just all Biden. It's also the uh, Republican leadership. Exactly. Real quick, Wendy got back to us, Jim, in the comments and and said the three years is referring to the age of the beef before it is processed. Okay. Okay. And then our producer, Eric Crowley, went and found the story. The proposed ballot measure would make ranchers wait to slaughter animals until they are older, which ranchers say would devastate Colorado's agriculture economy. Yes, it would. If they would have to wait three years before they could start, you'd start by selling off some of your cows. 
But uh, when I see something like that, Jim, I think about BSE, bovine spongiform encephalopathy. Yeah. Mad cow disease. One of the reasons that we process animals at such a young age is to avoid any of the BSE issues. So this is a delayed meat reduction program, yeah. right? is how I'd write it. Yes. Uh, it's, Colorado is smoking too much of the stuff that's legal in that state, Jeff. That's, there you go. There you go. All right. WOTUS, Jim. Really? Again? Uh, the devils is in the details. And you've got the same traditional worry warts on this one, legitimately so. Farm Bureau, commodity groups, et cetera. Nervous. Uh, they're trusting, but they want to verify EPA's Administrator Regan on this one. I, but boy, the Wall Street Journal had a scathing thing. They just flat out said in a, in a commentary piece, they said EPA is preparing a private land grab that will limit farming, fracking, home building, and economic activity. Period. Wow. So that's fairly strong for the even for the journal. And in fact, they said Republicans should not agree to any infrastructure deal that doesn't include permitting and regulatory efficiencies. That's a good area to point out in infrastructure. You can slow down a lot of things from an administration's position, whether it's Trump or Biden. If you don't like it, you can just slow down the permitting you know, process into a morass, Jim. Yep. So I think they brought up a valid point there. Okay, very good. Another EPA question for you, and, and we're gonna we're getting close to wrapping things up here. Is EPA really considering a general waiver for blending requirements under the RFS because REN prices are too high? I would say it's being led by the National Economic Council ahead, Brian Deese. The, refine, yeah. the unions got to him, Chip. Yeah. So the union, that's the one, one of the biggest groups that Biden and his ilk listen to is unions. So yes, they are seriously considering this. My bias is they may even announce something in this regard, but I think they're going to get so much blowback that in the final rule, they'll probably pull it back, Chip. So we've got a long ways to go on this one. It just does not make sense. It's just a way for some of these uh, refiners to get covered on the RINs because they guessed the wrong way on the RINs. They're trying to make it go down so they can get coverage. Yeah. There's another way that they can make the price of RINs go down, Jim. Produce more. So blend more ethanol. Yeah. Blend more biodiesel. Blend more renewable diesel. Yeah, this is a lot I wrote. This is a lot like 2013 and 2014, where in the final uh, volume, the RVO rule, the volume obligation rule, they lowered. Now, it was still above 15 billion gallons at that time, but they did lower it from the pre preliminary level chip in 2014. So in this case, if that's if that happens, it would go under 15 billion gallons. And you can cry foul on this one because remember when Biden had all pledged that 15 billion gallon level. Okay. One last question for you, Jim. I have Senator Chuck Grassley on the show this morning here in a little over an hour and a half. What do I need to talk to him about? Where does he see this line? He's When it comes to the meat industry mm -hmm. issues, Chip, he's more of a populist, as mm -hmm. you well know. So it's always good to get his bottom line assessments. Where does he see 
the line speed issue going? What's he think of that too? Where does he see this meat processing study going? Will there be significant changes? Cyber warfare, does he see some significant uh, changes in this country on that one? And of course, being Mr. Ethanol and Mr. Biodiesel, where does he see the final result going on this effort to help the refiners? Excellent. We'll cover it all. We'll cover it all with the Senator this morning coming up on this on the first hour of AgriTalk today. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining us for this week's DC Signal to Noise. I'm Chip Flory. That's Jim Wiesmeyer. Don't forget, Jim will be back with me on Friday for the free-for-all in the first hour of AgriTalk. We wish you all a very safe week ahead. Boy, try to stay cool out there, okay? 